We are thankful that we have a dry place to meet. Thank you for being here tonight, especially if you're visiting with us. We're especially glad you're here. We know we have visitors as usual among us, and we want to invite you back any opportunity you might have in the future. We ask you also to stick around after our worship time together and give us an opportunity to meet you, get to know you better. Before our lesson tonight, I just want to say thank you. I can think I can speak for Sandra Grove and Don Ziegler and thanking you for your prayers while we were away this past week in Haiti in the area of Cap Haitian. And we uh, helped with a mobile medical clinic in five different locations this week, and we saw on average over 200 people a day. So great effort there, and continue to pray for the work that goes on in Haiti. We'll have more to say about that later, but I did want to say thank you for your prayers and your concern while we were gone. Joel is at a summer series down in Bridgeport Church of Christ, and uh, I have this opportunity to provide a lesson to us tonight. And thankful, as always, for this opportunity and uh, want to study together with you. The lesson that I've selected for tonight is entitled, The Holy Spirit Speaks Expressly. If you have your New Testament, be turning to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number 1 will kind of serve as our scriptural basis for our thoughts tonight. The Holy Spirit speaks expressly. You know, there is much confusion today over the Holy Spirit in, our, in the world religiously, isn't there? Many people understand the concept of God. Many people understand the concept of Christ. But the Holy Spirit is often a mystery to many people. Many people try to make it something that it isn't. Many people try to add their own thoughts and their own opinions about what the Holy Spirit is. You know, I don't, I don't believe God wants it to be that way. The Apostle Paul, inspired writer of the book of 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 14, verse 33, says, God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't want us to be confused over things concerning the Bible, over things concerning doctrine. So we want to try to dispel some of those things tonight in our lesson as we examine. This is obviously the Holy Spirit is too great a subject for one lesson. We're going to try to touch on just one aspect of it. But I believe that we can understand the person, purpose, and work of the Holy Spirit by studying God's Holy Word. You know, many people want to think about the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. You oftentimes hear the, about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The way that God dwells in you, the way that Christ dwells in you, is the same way that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And that is through God's Word. There's nothing mystical or mysterious or nebulous about that. Through the Word of God. This lesson, again, isn't intended to be an in-depth look at the Holy Spirit. But we want to look at, just, a, a, just t scratch the surface, if you will, concerning this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 beginning. You know Paul, the inspired writer there, says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly. That in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to some deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And he goes on there, as you know, talking about the things that men will try to teach, the men, things that men will 
try to get others to believe and, and buy into and those sorts of things, all contrary to the, to the Word of God. I've assigned four points to this lesson tonight. Each one of the points will begin with the letter M. If you're taking notes, point number one in our lesson tonight, we want to talk about the messenger. The messenger. Paul there in our text says, Now the Spirit. That's the messenger. Jesus told his apostles, you'll remember, that he would provide guidance through the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit has always been present. The Holy Spirit was present at creation. There with God the Father and God the Son. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 in context of the Holy Spirit, the messenger. You know the text, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, beginning, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. So we see that it's God's intent. At one point in time, God spoke to the fathers. At one point in time, God spoke to the prophets, through, through the prophets to the people. He says now in these last days, God intends to speak through his son Jesus Christ, through the word that he has left for us, through the agency of the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the word that we have. You remember when Jesus left this world, he told his disciples that he would send them a comforter. That word is used synonymously with the Holy Spirit. So it was bringing Christ's word to man was through the agency of the Holy Spirit. God's word wasn't open to man's own ideas or opinions or desires. Turn over a few pages to 2 Peter chapter 1. Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 beginning. Peter, the inspired writer here, says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. Quote, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. If you look back at the original Greek in that text there, the word moved has the connotation of being carried along, born on the shoulders of, you might say. It's not for, it's not, it's not man's ideas. Think about if we were writing the Bible. I'm sure there would be a lot of things that we would write differently. But we're not God. We're not, we don't have the mind of God, the perfect 
mind of God that knows and sees and is all things. We make a great mistake when we try to import our own opinions and ideas, our thoughts into God's holy word. So we talk about the messenger. Let's talk about the manner. Back to our text in, in uh, 1 Timothy 4. He speaks expressly in the latter times, Paul says. Holy Spirit speaks using words. The Holy Spirit spoke directly to the apostles. Paul was speaking words and it was sent to Timothy. We have the same message today in book form. I don't know. The Bible doesn't reveal how necessarily that message was conveyed to those various writers of the New Testament. But it was God's word. They didn't have the creative license, if you will, to put their own thoughts and opinions and how they thought it should be in there. It was still God's word. So he, speak, he spoke directly. He also speaks indirectly through the word of God. There that phrase, last days, that we read there in 1 Timothy 4, 1, Hebrews 1 and verse 2. We're in the last days. We're in the last dispensation of time. We talk about dispensations of time, the patriarchal age, the mosaic age, and now the Christian age. There'll be no more ages, so to speak. There'll be no more revelations from God. We're in the last days. How long are the last days going to last? Nobody knows except God. But we have to know and understand and believe that we're in the last days. There's not going to be another revelation. The apostles are dead. The miraculous is over. Again, we have the inspired word of God in written form. As we talk about miracles for a moment, just take, let's take a side, quick side trip. The purpose of miracles in the first century was to prove and confirm the Word of God. To prove and confirm what the apostles were teaching was what God wanted them to teach. Look quickly, keep your fingers there in 1 Timothy 4. Go to Mark 16. Mark 16. Spend a little, uh, just a few seconds on this because I think it bears repeating in the world in which we live in today. Mark 16, verse number 20. You know that Christ has ascended to, to God's right hand. He's received up into heaven and sat down at the hand of God. Verse 20. And they went out, they, the apostles went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through what? The accompanying signs. That was the purpose of miracles, signs and miracles in the first century because we didn't have the Bible, the New Testament, in written form yet. It was still being written down. It was still being spoken through the agency of the Holy Spirit to those men who would write it down. If you're like me, maybe a, a, a dad, think back to maybe when your, ch your children were young, Christmas Eve. It's about midnight. 
you're sitting there looking at a pile of bicycle parts. You've emptied out the box. There's a pile of parts that you have to put together before the day dawns the next morning. This bike is not assembled. The instructions are in the box. You know, that manufacturer ships a thousand bicycles, thousands of bicycles worldwide. You've seen the instructions, how they're translated into 15 different languages. Chinese, Dutch, French, Spanish, all those things. The manufacturer instructs the purchaser how to put the bike together. The manufacturer is not sitting there in your living room telling you, the engineer who built, who designed that bicycle is not sitting there telling you how to put it together. So he's not speaking directly to you. But indirectly, he's speaking through the written instructions. I think we understand that. When we follow the instructions, what do we get? A completed bicycle, don't we? That father that's sitting in China gets a completed bicycle. The one sitting in Spain gets a completed bicycle. The one sitting wherever, reading the instructions, gets a completed bicycle. I hope you get this example. God tells us through His Word. He instructs us how to live, how to be saved, how to worship, how to get to heaven. The Bible, we know, continues to be the best-selling book year after year after year. The Bible, I'm told, has been translated into more languages than any other book. So when you read the same Bible in Australia and you read it in France or China or India or wherever, you're going to get the same result if you follow the instructions. Is the point I'm trying to get across. The Holy Spirit speaks indirectly through God's Word. People all over the world who receive God's Word and they follow it, it makes Christians. Christians only, nothing more and nothing less. So we talked about the messenger, the, me the manner. Point number three, let's talk about the message. Back to 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul says, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith. The message he's talking about there is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach the same gospel message today as Paul and other apostles did in the first century. You remember in Jude 3, we won't take the time to turn to it, but it's, he talks about there the faith. Contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. There aren't multiple gospel messages. If you're like me, you oftentimes subscribe to things on Facebook and other places, social media, and you see all kinds of opinions religiously about things. I read one recently where the writer was trying to prove or trying to espouse the idea that the Jews heard a different gospel than the Gentiles. The Jews, the gospel that was delivered to the Jews there on the day of Pentecost included the necessity of baptism. Well, they somehow, I don't know how, but they decided that that was a different message than what was preached to the Gentiles because if you're a Gentile in nature, you don't 
uh, you know, baptism doesn't apply to you because you're not a Jew. So we see that's just one example how far-fetched people will go from God's word to try to prove what they want to prove. And you know that as well as anybody. We have to keep standing on God's word and, and proclaiming and living God's word every day. There aren't multiple gospel messages. But Paul there warns the young te- pre- uh, preacher Timothy that some shall depart from the faith. It was happening even in Paul's day. And it's been happening ever since. We need to stick to the message. Point number four in our lesson tonight, we talked about the messenger, the manner, the message. Now let's talk about the mistake. Paul there in our, in our text says, so shall depart from the faith. They will start heeding seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know this passage as well. It's a familiar one to you. 2 Timothy 4.1. Paul there says, I charge you. Therefore, before God and Lord Je- the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead as a, at his appearing and, and his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Another word there is cravings. According to their own cravings, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That's the mistake that people make when they depart from the truth of God's holy word. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, beginning. Writing to Christians, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Pretty strong language, isn't it? Paul knows the mistake that it is when you move away from the pure and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a mistake to depart from the Word of God. Turn over to 2 John 9. Well, one chapter book, Second John. Verse number nine. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. There's a place where we have to abide. We have to abide in God's word. When we veer away from that, 
we're really taking our life in our own hands, aren't we? We don't like to say it that way or think about it that way, but that's really what we're doing. Turn your uh, Bibles over to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. You knew I wasn't going to let you out of here without going to the Old Testament at least once. The Old Testament is so valuable to us even today. This is going to be a familiar passage to you, I think. Jeremiah chapter 5. We call Jeremiah the weeping prophet because he lived during some very dark days with the children of Israel, their idolatry and their unbelief and their wanting to do what they wanted to do. Very much like today. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30, beginning. Jeremiah there says, An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. So what's he saying there? He's observing these things that are going on. Religiously with religious people. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule by their own power basically do their own thing. That's what was going on when, in Jesus' day, wasn't it? The problem comes, those are problems enough, but to capitalize on that, my people love to have it so. That tells me that the people had bought into that. As oftentimes we say, lock, stock, and barrel. That's a mistake. It's a mistake to teach things without God's authority. It's a mistake to do things in worship without God's sanction. It's a mistake to base your eternal salvation on something you don't find in God's holy word. There's a preacher that I listen to oftentimes. Joe and I talk about him a lot. John Shannon Sr., a black brother out in the Memphis area. Plain and simple preaching. I heard him say this in context of something recently. He said, if you didn't read it in the Bible, the Holy Spirit didn't tell it to you. If you didn't read it in the Bible, the Holy Spirit didn't tell it to you. There's so many people today that are wanting to run around and say, the Holy Spirit told me this, the Holy Spirit told me that. The simple truth is... if you don't read about it in the Bible, it's not from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the agent through which we receive God's Word, the Word that He wanted us to have. Nothing more, nothing less. So be careful. Don't make a mistake. As we wrap this up tonight, I'm eternally grateful that God chose to speak to me through His Word. That way I can know that I'm getting the same message that everybody else is getting. God has not picked somebody else, so to speak, over me to reveal his will to. We know God is no respecter of persons. I'm thankful that he gave me a brain. 
and the ability to read and study his word. But you know, I have to, that's the, the obligation is on me to do that, don't, isn't it? And I have to decide what I'm going to do with that word. I have to apply it in my life before it, I ever have a, any hope of it doing any good. So as we examine the Holy Spirit tonight, the messenger, the manner, the message, and the mistake. Hope this, mes this lesson has been valuable to you. Like I said, we, the subject of the Holy Spirit is a great study, but it takes a lot longer than the time we have allotted tonight. God's Word, delivered to us through the agency of the Holy Spirit, tells us what we need to do to live a life acceptable to God. Tells us what we need to do in order to be a Christian. What we need to do in order to be added to the Lord's church, the church that he shed his blood to purchase. The church that he will return someday in the, in the air to receive back to himself and deliver to the Father when all this world is called to an end. Would you not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Would you not be willing to confess that He is the Son of God before this group and continue to confess Him every day that you live, saying that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Repent of your sins, that means to change. Stop living for yourself and for sin and for whoever, the world. Start living the way God tells you to live. Be baptized in water, meeting the cleansing blood that washes away sins. Those that did that on Pentecost were added to the Lord's church. Christ was the one who added those people to his church, not somebody else. We can do the same thing today, and we can be the same thing they were then. New Testament Christians, nothing more, nothing less. There's an obligation for those who are Christians. We must live faithful unto death if we expect to get that crown of life. It's a difficult task, isn't it? For those of us who tried it, we know that it's difficult, but it's not impossible. When we do mess up, God has continued to provide us the blood of Christ that continues to flow from Calvary even this very hour, cleansing us from our sins. If we're willing to repent of those things, ask God to forgive us. If your sin is public in nature, it needs to be repented of, handled in that same way. If it's private, it's between you and God. He is faithful and just to forgive. We're going to stand and sing this invitation song to encourage anyone who has need of the invitation tonight. Would you come as we stand, as we sing? <laughs>